is live coverage from ABC News. Here's ABC News correspondent Daria Albing. We've just gotten word from the White House that a Supreme Court justice has died. A statement from the Chief Justice from the Supreme Court, John Roberts, saying on behalf of the court and retired justices, I'm saddened to report that our colleague, Justice Antonin Scalia, has passed away. He was an extraordinary individual and jurist, admired and treasured by his colleagues. His passing is a great loss to the court and the country he so loyally served. He was just shy of his 80th birthday. He was at a resort in West Texas at the time, we're told, when he died. We're joined live in Washington uh, by ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts. Thanks for being here, Steve. Sure. All right. What can you tell us about uh, Antonin Scalia? We know he was a strict constructionist uh, appointed by Ronald Reagan. Uh, what does this mean, his passing mean, for the court and, and for the nation? Well, start with the court. He was not just one vote. He was an intellectual force on the court who influenced um, uh, other justices, particularly Justice Clarence Thomas. Uh, the two of them voted almost identically nine out of ten times. Um, so this is not just one vote. He is a man who was a was a powerful intellect uh, and a powerful arguer, not only in majority opinions but minority opinions for the conservative point of view. So uh, the whole nature of the court, uh, the whole atmosphere, will change without Scalia there. All right. We are also being joined now live by ABC News legal analyst Royal Oaks. And this passing does come as uh, President Obama gets another opportunity to appoint another justice to the court. What will this mean for the high court? Well, this is going to mean a switch a big time. You see so many five to four decisions, not all of them, of course, uh, on the conservative side. The famously, the, the two big Obamacare decisions were certainly in favor of the president. But on so many issues from uh, public uh, financing uh, to uh, of campaigns to immigration, uh, and really people were predicting a smackdown against the president over the next several months on this issue of executive power uh, on a five to four vote but uh, that's that's going to change now and of course you can bet look for the the republicans who are debating uh, before the public uh, about the presidential nomination to hammer away just how important it is to elect the correct president uh, because it's going to have a dramatic effect uh, on the nation uh, on the legal decisions but justice scalia was such a lightning rod there was something about the intensity he brought to the job, the provocative language he would use, whether he was in the majority or penning an angry dissent that, that grabbed your attention and guaranteed strong reactions, uh, whether positive or negative. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to replace uh, Justice Scalia. If you're just joining us now, this is live anchored coverage from ABC News, and we are reporting the death of Antonin Scalia, U.S. Supreme Court Justice, uh, announced not too long ago. He was just shy of his 80th birthday. Steve, if you can tell us a little bit more about this polarizing effect that that Justice Scalia had. I mean, there were people that really believed in what this guy, uh, in his rulings, and there were other people that said he really didn't deserve to be a jurist. He was really too, um, he was too polarizing. Well, in that sense, he reflected the larger politics of the country. And, um, you know, the uh, the Supreme Court uh, always on some level uh, does reflect the political themes and trends and culture of the country. And um, he was certainly a very polarizing force. And many of his opinions, particularly his dissents, were quite biting and, 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 and quite unjurist-like. But Royal's point is, is a very important one. Um, the death of Scalia means that the Supreme Court is going to be 
a very, very important issue in the presidential election. It reminds everybody that elections have consequences and that one of the most important things any president ever does is name a Supreme Court justice, particularly, as Ryle said, uh, in an era where we have such a divided court where so many uh, of the decisions are five to four. Um, I expect that uh, it's going to be almost impossible for Barack Obama to get a new justice through a Republican Senate, uh, which means that the new president immediately, the first, it's entirely possible that the first decision he or she would have to make is a new Supreme Court justice, which means that's going to be a major issue in the campaign from now on. So that you see a shift in the focuses of the of the campaigns right now to include the Supreme Court, at least make it much more of a priority than it's been so, the, so far in the campaign. I do. Um, look, uh, elections have consequences. And I think one of the most important potential consequences here is to raise the issue of electability. If you go back to the New Hampshire primaries, the Democratic primaries, to take one very good example, um, voters who uh, cared about electability preferred Hillary Clinton far more than Bernie Sanders. And this whole question of who is more electable is going to become much more important um, when the issue of Supreme Court nominations are more central. It's also going to be true on the Republican side, where um, uh, some of the more moderate or mainstream uh, candidates are going to say, well, um, uh, we need to elect some, we're going to choose somebody who is, is, is more electable in the fall. So the Supreme Court makes the issue of electability uh, significantly more prominent in the debate going forward. Royal, let's talk a little bit about Scalia himself. Uh, he came from a blue-collar background from Trenton, New Jersey, worked his way through law school, uh, and he really had a lot of that tenacity, that blue-collar tenacity in his approach to uh, to the legal practice and then as his approach as a jurist. What can you tell well, us that, about that? That's right. A blue-collar background and yet rather blue-blood existence. Graduated with honors from Harvard School. Appointed by President Reagan to the federal appellate bench and then on to the Supreme Court. And, uh, uh, of course, from there, he, he really left his mark. He believed in the death penalty. Uh, he considered there was no constitutional right to abortion. He thought if people wanted legalized abortion, they should pass a law to accomplish it. But on 9-11 issues, sometimes he voted with the liberals. He held that although Congress had approved the detention of a U.S. citizen as an enemy combatant, the Fifth Amendment gave that citizen the right to contest the detention uh, in court. Uh, famously, he was a, a textualist in terms of being very strict about the wording of statutes, and he believed in originalism when it comes to interpreting the Constitution. It meant what it meant when it was adopted, and of course, that's a big disagreement with a lot of people to say it's a living, breathing document. We ought to get with the, the modern 21st century in terms of interpreting people's rights uh, under the Constitution. You make an interesting point that you call him a textualist. Uh, a lot of people have described him as a strict constructionist. For those of us who are not as, as versed in the, in, in the law as you are, what's the difference there? Well, basically, he was a strict constructionist in the sense that he didn't believe that you could massage and expand the scope of the of U.S. Constitution and invent rights uh, like 
privacy and the right to an abortion. Basically, if it wasn't in the Constitution, uh, and if it wasn't uh, seen in a certain way by the founders, then he didn't believe that it was a constitutional issue. It got him into trouble at times because people uh, threw Brown versus Board of Education, eliminating school uh, segregation uh, against him, and, and argued that, well, Justice Scalia, based on your interpretation, uh, you know, you'd be back in the, in the 1700s uh, uh, favoring the, those racist ways. And so he had to defend himself against that. And I think basically it was kind of a losing battle in the sense that most people nowadays go along with the idea that it is a living, breathing document. But he stuck to his guns. He, he was old-fashioned, and uh, I don't think we're going to see anybody quite like him for a long time. If you're just joining us now, this is live-anchored coverage from ABC News, and we're uh, t- reporting the death of Antonin Scalia, U.S. Supreme Court Justice. I'm joined now by my colleague, uh, ABC's Aaron Katursky, who's been following Scalia's career, as he has been following uh, the rest of the Supreme Court for a number of years, Aaron. Uh, I'd like you to weigh in here as well on a, on a, just the impact he's had on the Supreme Court and on and on a lot of rulings since he was uh, on a, on a number of significant mm-hmm. rulings, Daria, and clearly on the the presidential candidates, and, and it will undoubtedly come up tonight as Republican presidential candidates prepare to debate. Uh, just a couple of hours from now, already we've heard from Ted Cruz on the passing of of Supreme Court Justice Justice Antonin Scalia, and undoubtedly the the, the rest of the candidates are are, are about to weigh in, uh, expressing uh, Cruz did that he was one of the great legacies of Ronald Reagan. Uh, He was appointed by Reagan in 1986. Uh, Others have started to weigh in as well. Uh, Dick Durbin, a Democrat uh, of Illinois, uh, saying that his heart is out to to Scalia's family. Uh, Look, he was a controversial figure on the court for for some on the left, a hero to some on the right, but none of that matters in the immediate minutes after the country learns that, that he has died. All right. What, Steve, what happens now? Are, we have a seat on the Supreme Court. Obviously, the court isn't in session right now. But uh, what will be happening in the, in the months to come? Uh, rather, is in session. What will be happening in the months to come? Well, I imagine that uh, President Obama will try to nominate someone to the court. Uh, but Republicans control the Senate, and they control the Judiciary Committee. And it's possible they won't even hold hearings on his nominee or won't even vote on it. And and I just think it's highly unlikely in a political year for them to actually bring a nominee to a vote. And um, so I think that um, uh, the likelihood is that uh, this seat will remain open. And in the for the remainder of the court term, that means you have only eight justices. And Sometimes you only have eight justices when one justice recuses himself or herself because they've had some prior involvement in a case. But it does mean the possibility of tie votes uh, on on some key issues, which means that, in in effect, if there's a tie vote, um, the the issue is simply returned to the lower courts. But just think about this for a minute. We're talking about a man who served on the court for 30 years. He was an appointee of Ronald Reagan. That means that the think of the legacy, think of the impact, think how 30 years after his nomination, he still had an impact. That's why this issue is so important, because almost everything else a president does is, is kind of muddled and, 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 and uh, depends on congressional approval and compromise. But a Supreme Court justice can far outlive the president who appoints him or her and can be a... Uh, uh, a force in this country's politics and law for a generation. And Scalia for 30 years has been that. And that's just highlights 
how important this issue is going to be in the presidential election going forward. I'm Daria Albinger. You're listening to live anchored coverage from ABC News on the death of Antonin Scalia, U.S. Supreme Court Justice, joined by political analyst Steve Roberts, our legal analyst, Royal Oaks, and my colleague, Aaron Katursky. Royal, let's talk a little bit about how this affects what the court will be doing for the rest of the term. I mean, this is happening as the court is in session. Uh, there are at least a couple of cases that the court says it, it does plan to to weigh in on in this term. What happens now? Well, what happens is that the votes will be four to four in many of these cases. And, of course, when you need a, a majority to alter the lower court's decision, then, then the lower court decision is going to uh, to prevail. Uh, we're, we're seeing a, a more conservative tilt to the court in a couple of ways. They took on an immigration decision. Uh, the, the, the president's plan to put off the deportation of some four million Americans. Uh, and, and that's a very high-profile case that we expect to be decided in in June. Uh, and it may turn out to be 4-4 instead of 5-4 the conservative way. Um, same, same situation with respect to uh, uh, other cases. We saw just this week the, the Supreme Court issue a very unusual emergency order on a 5-4 basis, uh, saying that the uh, D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals case uh, would be affected. That's the one where uh, the president's EPA regulations are, are trying to cut coal emissions by about 30 percent uh, by the year 2030. And the Supreme Court essentially said that we're going to take the unusual step of getting involved in this because uh, we think uh, the implication is they think the president had overstepped his bounds. Uh, um, as we were discussing, uh, you know, normally uh, you would just proceed with replacing Justice Scalia. Uh, but the Republicans, because they control the Senate and the Judiciary Committee, they might just stop it, but they'll catch a lot of political flack. And, and normally that would be, could be devastating to them, interfering with the process of replacing the Supreme Court. But I think at this point, uh, everyone is in such a political uh, mode, and there is a lot of President Obama fatigue that uh, a lot of people may feel like, well, you know, normally we would allow the president to replace someone. But in this political season, let's just wait for January 2017 and, and see what happens then. All right, Royal. I'd like to uh, to um, welcome Steve Wormiel. He's a Supreme Court expert uh, to our coverage here. And Aaron, please feel free to weigh in as well while we're uh, uh, while we're discussing uh, just the, uh, the the legacy that uh, this Supreme Court justice is is leaving. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Ramil. Thank you for having us. All right, uh, you. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're talking about Justice Scalia's legacy is is very profound. Um, he's he's been a, a forceful, outspoken voice on every major social issue to come before the Supreme Court for almost 30 years and, and had quite a profound impact on the law. Tell us a little bit about um, what set him apart from, from other justices. When he was appointed, uh, there was such a reaction to it. You know, some people saying this is exactly what the court needs, a strict constructionist, a texturalist, if you will, and other people saying, you know, this man is just way too extreme for the court. I mean, there were two, you know, there, there were two views of Justice Scalia. There was the view that um, he he was true to his uh, ideals, that the Constitution should be interpreted very strictly according to its language and what the the authors of the Constitution intended. And there were others who said it was uh, too much of a coincidence that that led him to results that were about 100% Republican 
in, in, you know, in, in conformity with the Republican platform every year. Um, and so, so that, those were the two sides of, of uh, what he did on the court. What do you see President Obama doing uh, in the remainder of, of his term in office as far as replacing that seat on the court? Is it possible? Well, I think he has to try. Uh, it, it, you know, by any measure, it's not good for the court or the country to have a vacancy go for an entire year. Uh, and I think even if Republicans fight Obama on a nomination, they probably, if you really pressed them, would have to concede that, that it's not healthy for the court. On the other hand, the stakes are enormous. This is a court term that has just about every hot-button issue imaginable on the docket. Affirmative action, uh, abortion, uh, voting rights, uh, the scope of presidential power on immigration and, and uh, other issues. So it's uh, there's so much at stake that the Republicans may say, we don't really care what the fallout is. Uh, we're, we're not going to confirm anybody. Aaron, you've been following um, reaction from various candidates. You mentioned that this is now going to be much more of an issue uh, in tonight's debate and in the rest of the presidential election. Have we heard any more from uh, from any of the candidates or anybody else's reaction on the death? All right, Steve, could you maybe weigh on, on I, that as well? I, yeah, I saw a statement from, from Ted Cruz already saying that the next president should fill the vacancy. The next president should fill the vacancy. Yeah, so we look, there's, a, there's no uh, doubt, Daria, this is going to be a major issue. But they, the, the Republicans have already announced that they would not move hardly any of Barack Obama's uh, appointments to lower federal courts. Um, so they have already said that. And there there is precedent here. You go back in 1968, for instance, Lyndon Johnson was in his last year in office. Uh, he tried to elevate Abe Fortas to Chief Justice. Fortas um, was blocked by a filibuster um, and uh, then resigned from the court. And that seat was never filled by Lyndon Johnson. It was not filled until uh, Richard Nixon succeeded Lyndon Johnson. So um, look, getting a Supreme Court justice uh, nominee through in the last year of a presidential term is often very difficult. And when you add to the fact that this is such a hotly contested presidential year and the court is like is already uh, a major issue in the campaign and will become an even bigger issue in the campaign i think the odds of the president obama succeeding i think he will name somebody but the odds of that uh, uh, nominee being confirmed i think are very small you're listening to live anchored coverage from abc news i'm daria albinger we're uh, talking about the death of antonin scalia the u.s supreme court justice he was found dead today. He was at a resort in West Texas at the time, just shy of his 80th birthday. He was appointed in 1986 by then-President Reagan. Uh, and he was he has been a polarizing figure on this court for a long time. Le- ABC News legal analyst Royal Oaks is uh, with us on this coverage. And Royal, if you, have to, if you had to pick one of his rulings that basically crystallized what he was as, as, a, as a jurist, which ruling would that be? Well, I would say that the one I mentioned earlier in the Hamden case demonstrated that it wasn't that he was the captive of any political philosophy. He was actually willing to vote against a Republican conservative president, George W. Bush, 
uh, who wanted the right to to detain uh, enemy combatants. Uh, and instead, he stuck to his guns about the meaning of the Fifth Amendment and due process. And, and I think that was that's essentially the symbol of, of Justice Antonin Scalia. He knew what he knew about the meaning of the Constitution, and he was willing to stick with it, even if it meant straying away from what you one might call conservative principles. He, he, in a sense, led a conservative renaissance on the Supreme Court. He was appointed in the midst of the Reagan Revolution. He may not have ever gotten the top job as Chief Justice, but he was such a force of nature. Bush versus Gore was another situation where, once again, five to four, uh, he was the person whose perhaps his force of personality was able to draw people together uh, to, to, keep, to put George W. Bush uh, into the White House. And uh, all of the issues, executive power, intent of, of the Constitution, uh, uh, it, it all fed into his philosophy. Uh, it was interesting, he had a philosophical soulmate on the court, Clarence Thomas, but they were polar opposites from a personality standpoint. Thomas, of course, never speaks, never asks a question. Court watchers report Scalia talked more than any of his colleagues, and one study found he provoked laughter more than any of his colleagues. He loved to mix it up with the lawyers during oral argument. He saw that as a wonderful opportunity to have a, a, a colloquy, a debate. He was a champion debater in college at, at Georgetown in the 50s, and uh, he never lost his love for that activity. Thanks a lot. Um, sorry, I, have, I have to sign off. I apologize, but I, Royal mentioned uh, stuck to his guns. I would just add the um, Scalia's Second Amendment decision finding the, the right of individuals to bear arms in the Constitution, um, which has had a profound effect on our law, politics, and Constitution. All right. That's our Supreme Court expert, Steve Romil. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate <laughs> spending you. a few minutes with us. I'm ABC's Daria Albinger. This is live anchored coverage on the death of Antonin Scalia, the U.S. Supreme Court Justice. I'm joined by ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts, ABC News legal analyst Royal Oaks, and we're also being joined now by ABC News political director Rick Klein. And let's talk about, thank you for joining us, Rick. Let's talk a little bit, if you would, um, about the impact and the changes that uh, that this, this announcement is going to make, especially on the presidential election. Are you there, Rick? Well, uh, uh, Daria? Okay, Steve. Yeah, I, I think one of the uh, things that uh, Scalia's career reflects from a political point of view was the very conscious and very successful strategy of uh, Ronald Reagan to appoint very young people to the bench. Uh, he and his advisors understood that this could often be the most lasting impact a president ever has uh, in the most tangible way. Scalia at 79, uh, that means that he was still in his 40s when he was late 40s, when he was appointed to the Supreme Court. And it was the hope and, and, and calculation uh, by Reagan uh, and his advisors that someone like Scalia would spend a generation on the Supreme Court and have an impact long after uh, the Reagan administration ended. And it's not just on the Supreme Court. If you look all through the lower federal courts, Scalia was emblematic of a strategy uh, that Reagan followed very carefully. And uh, his imp impact, his mark, is still felt on the federal courts today, long after he left the White House. Scalia is a symbol of that. I'm glad you you mentioned that. That was the next question I was going to ask you. That there had been, um, you know, people when he was when he was appointed that said he was too young to sit on the high court. That he didn't have the gravitas, the legal gravitas, to a uh, to assume such a position. 
Well, there were a lot of critics. There were a lot of critics on other uh, appointments that Reagan made. But as I say, this was a very conscious strategy and, in the end, a very successful strategy um, because um, it uh, tilted the um, balance on many of the federal lower courts for a long time. And, um, uh, it, and, that, and so one of the interesting questions is uh, who succeeds him? Because let's remember something else here, Daria. Um, uh, there are several other justices who are in their 70s and who are not in good health. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been uh, had several bouts of illness, and she is um, uh, often considered the next justice to leave the scene. And so it's not just that Scalia's seat will be filled either by Barack Obama or his successor. I'd like to bring on... But, uh... But it's likely to be several other seats as well. All right. Thanks, Steve. I'd like to bring on ABC News political director Rick Klein. I know it's a busy night for you. I do appreciate you spending some time with us tonight. Of um, course. Let's talk about the impact that this, uh, that this makes, the changes this makes in the presidential election. This could upend the race for the Republican presidential nomination. You think about the issues that the candidates have been fighting over. Suddenly, I see the campaign will feel very real and about very big things. Nothing bigger and filling seats on the Supreme Court. Already Ted Cruz out with a statement saying that the next president, not this president, should fill this vacancy. There will surely be a big fight on Capitol Hill if President Obama, as we would just presume he would, goes forward with an appointment. But now the backdrop for these Republican candidates will turn on issues around the Supreme Court. Uh, and, and they're big issues, of course, issues of, uh, like abortion and gay rights and affirmative action. All of these are hotly contested right now. And we've been had this precarious balance on the court where it seems you've had the four liberals, the four conservatives, one swing justice. The idea that that balance could be upset by President Obama uh, and certainly the next president, the potential to, to change that balance. Uh, I, 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 would, I would presume that it will come up in a heated fashion tonight at the debate in just a few hours down in South Carolina. And I think it's going to change the, the tenor of this race just as the voting has begun. Any word from the White House about uh, when, the, when the search for a successor or an appointment might be announced? The statement just came out from the White House uh, saying that, they, that the president had been informed that there'll be a further statement from the White House tonight. No word yet on the timeline for this. But I'll tell you that White Houses prepare for these eventualities, not necessarily deaths, but resignations. And they've got lists of folks. It's not like they start from scratch. The president, of course, has already had two successful confirmation battles, uh, but those were with Democratic Senate. There's now a Republican Senate, uh, and there's now less than a year in President Obama's term. So the politics, uh, as well as the realities of Capitol Hill, will be colliding in pretty severe fashion. So his, his attempt possibly to shift the balance of the court is going to be very difficult to accomplish. Uh, that's right. I think that the, the, the Republican Senate can hold this up indefinitely if they'd like. It, you know, we don't know who the president is considering, but if it's someone who uh, would differ at all from Judge, Justice Scalia, which we presume from this president, uh, it's going to be quite a, a, a contentious fight. And there's nothing in the Constitution that forces the Senate to approve. Uh, and, and because there are uh, there is there is now a Republican majority in the Senate. That includes, by the way, two presidential candidates in Rubio and Cruz. Uh, the, the pressure will be on for Republicans not to go, uh, not, not to allow the president to fill this vacancy, to, to keep the court operating with just eight justices for the remainder of the term, and to, to kind of take their chances in the presidential election. And we're probably going to hear those changes, uh, how that's going to affect the presidential campaign very soon in a matter of hours at the next debate. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, I, I can only presume that, that CBS News, which is 
hosting the debate is, is drastically reworking the questions around Supreme Court. I mean, they, they are big issues. You could argue that there's nothing bigger uh, that a president does short of war and peace than, than naming justices, as, as we've been talking about, uh, Justice Scalia, named by President Reagan midway through his term. Still, you know, the fact that he would still be serving toward the end of President Obama's term tells you the lasting legacy and impact. And, and that is going to be top of mind for these candidates. And I think the candidates that can speak best to those issues, that, that have records that, uh, that reflect their commitment to conservative causes, they'll be eager to be, to be having that conversation with the rest of the field. Something we haven't heard a whole lot about the Supreme Court during this campaign so far. That is about to change. ABC News political director Rick Klein, thank you very much. Appreciate your input on this. My pleasure. All right. We're joined by uh, Royal Oaks, ABC News legal analyst, Steve Roberts, ABC News political analyst. I'm ABC's Daria Albinger. We are coming live to you now um, on the death of Antonin Scalia, U.S. Supreme Court justice, getting word from the White House uh, not too long ago that he had died just short of his 89th birthday. Uh, he was at a resort in Big Bend, Texas. Birthday. 79th birthday. Thank you, Steve. I do appreciate that. He was just shy of his 80th birthday, I should say, right? Um, yeah. And uh, he was at a resort in, in West Texas at the time. He was an avid hunter, wasn't he, for a for many, many years. That's one of the reasons he was he was in West Texas. Um, he was appointed by Ronald Reagan, 1986, uh, one of the longest serving jurors, and uh, but by no means uh, the longest serving juror. And you're listening to live anchored coverage from ABC News on the death of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia.